it's time for you all to wake up and shift your paradigm. This world is the kingdom of darkness and we are living in its last days. It won't be long before the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat and the earth and everything therein shall be burnt up. The Luciferian elite have been setting up the new world order and now they've established the globalist beast system for the rise of that wicked one and revealing of the man of sin who comes after the workings of Satan. Don't take my word for it. Read the Bible and you'll know that perilous times shall come in the last days and we are in the last days. brought something to my attention that has really perturbed my spirit and it is the subject of Kabbalah and for that reason we are going to be exposing it for a while. Um, I am going to be putting people's feelings and toes through a slow grind. I'm going to step on a lot of toes. I am so excited. <laughs> But before we get around to that, I like to start these off with testimony that no matter how hard your toes get stepped on tonight, you still know that God is good. So is there anyone that is in the chat uh, in Zoom that would like to talk about the Lord's goodness? And uh, you could just put up a little exclamation point in the chat box if that is you, or you can raise your hand and I will see you. And you can share your testimony. Now, I have a testimony of, oh, wait a minute. Just got interrupted here. I see you, Craig. Good evening. I'm here. How you doing? Can you hear me? It's loud oh, here. peachy. I'm going to start off with this. I want to thank you for being honest and direct and not beating around the bush about nothing. Uh, <laughs> Friday, um, I got some information 
to, to two things that I have been struggling with for years. And those two things basically dealt with the frustration. Well, that sounds amazing. I think we I have, which I'm not going to go into it right now, but on this interpretation. <laughs> uh, praise God. I think you dropped off for just a second, but I got, I think, at least half of what you said. <laughs> there? Yeah, I think you just dropped okay. off. Can you hear me still? Well, yeah, you're... I've got a really bad connection. I'll just, I'll just let. Yeah, just leave it in the chat. Um, but I know it's good. So thank you for sharing, Craig. Um, now, guys, I have really good news. And um, many of you have already taken advantage of my good news. Prayers that shake heaven and earth has been a blessing for a lot of people. As, as a matter of fact, it has been something that people have bought multiple copies of to pass them out with friends and family and loved ones because of the impact that it has had on people's lives. Those prayers have gone far and wide um, and that all of the sharing that's happened. Just expanded that collection with advanced prayers that shake heaven and earth is available for pre-sale. And I made this announcement on my podcast this week. If you have not heard the podcast yet, well, now you're getting the info. It is available for pre-sale only at BrideMinistriesInternational.com, um, our website. That's the only place you can get it. But it will be going to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and everywhere else once it is actually released. And that will be within the next, we're saying three to four weeks. But I just got the typeset back Friday. I found some you know, small minor corrections that needed to be fixed. Sent it back to these guys. They should be done with that by Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. At that point, we're going to print unless something else goes wrong. And so we are really moving on this after it's in print. It's going to be about two weeks and then we'll be shipping them out. So those of you that have already pre-ordered, that's your timeline, you know, um, give it three to four weeks and it'll be at your door. But we are just so excited. We're excited for the testimonies that we are anticipating from this new book. It's going to have all kinds of prayers that go way beyond what we had in prayers that shake heaven and earth. We're going to have weapons of warfare prayers. Um, we're going to have, you know, the freedom from ear ringing prayer, breaking the power of spiritual gang stalking prayer. And, and we have a territorial warfare prayer that has never been released anywhere. No one's even seen this guy unless I sent him a personal email with our 23 keys of doing territorial warfare, uh, beginning at the home and expanding out to city, states, and nations, this language is tailor-made to um, kick the devil's teeth in. And so I, <laughs> um, that along with our freedom from the Kabbalah tree, the freedom from constellations, freedom from synthetic kingdoms, Breaking the Power of Evil Timelines, Realm Buster Prayer. I mean, this, this book, we even have a prayer, believe it or not. So that is my testimony. It is coming so soon, and we're so excited for it. Um, I'm going to give an opportunity for one other person to put their hand up or to put an exclamation point in the chat before I begin. All righty. 
Everyone's just on the edge of their seats. You you want to know what's coming because I was talking about this stuff last week and it's like, wow, I don't even know what to think now, but I want more. And uh, you're going to get it. <laughs> so without further delay, uh, we are going to say a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through you, King Jesus, not even through the Kabbalah tree. We know that you are the only way. You are the door, the legitimate door. Sheep know your voice, and a stranger's voice they will follow. We will go in and out and find pasture. Lord God, we pray that we have eyes to see and hear what your spirit is saying and to understand we police and place martial law on all un astral traffic in the name of jesus i bless everyone listening with clarity that we would understand the things and the concepts we are hearing we bless this meeting and call it fruitful in jesus name amen all right we are going to do the nosedive and jump back in oh my gosh okay so we are talking about exposing Kabbalah. Why? Because I have been very disappointed at how much of the Christian sphere has actually been infiltrated by ideas and doctrines that come directly from Kabbalah. Not only that, but the tie-in to the geopolitical movements that we have seen over the past 60, 70 years, actually longer than that, and the fact that the same belief system that is used to program survivors of satanic ritual abuse, Masonic abuse, Illuminati cult abuse, and other types of cult abuse, and is present within the degrees of Freemasonry and Rosicrucianism and theosophy, right, is the same belief system that is being taught to activate Christians into higher levels of spirituality by self-proclaimed Christians right now. To me, something smells a little fishy. There's, there's a problem going on. And it is, it, it is a deep, deep rabbit hole. Now, having said that, we're going to redefine our terms uh, so we're all on the same page because I'm sure that there will be some people listening in this week that weren't with us last week. What is Kabbalah? Kabbalah is the ancient Jewish tradition of mystical interpretation of the Old Testament. First, transmitted orally and using esoteric methods. Kabbalah is an esoteric method, discipline, and school of thought that originated in Judaism. That is the proper definition of what Kabbalah is, okay? Uh, now, I'm going to share with you a, a, a passage of scripture that I think really articulates why we are on this journey. Comes from Titus chapter 1, verses 10 through 14. And it says, For there are many insubordinate 
both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gains. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. Now, that last part, Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth, is really going to be our focus today. Because I'm just going to say it, right, squarely and as straightforwardly as I possibly can. The Kabbalistic cosmology around creation is nothing more than a Jewish fable that turns men from the truth of God. Furthermore, the Kabbalistic cosmology that we derive as we use Kabbalah as a key to unlocking the Old Testament is irreconcilable with the biblical revelation of Yeshua, Jesus Christ. And I will prove it to you today. And this will become a foundation, a bedrock of why this belief system must be exposed. It has to be talked about and it has to be gutted and rooted out. Our hearts and our synchronization, we have to desynchronize from this thing. And it's bigger than you think. It's bigger and it's more expansive than we think, right? It's not just a philosophy in Judaism. It literally is the foundation upon which some of you that are listening to me talk have had your programming structured while you were being traumatized in your cult. And it has also been exported into all various forms and, 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 and areas of Christendom in order to align us with globalist agendas. <laughs> right? But, but we're getting there. Right? I, 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 can't, I can't explain all of those thoughts, but I'm saying it. I'm saying it because it needs to be said. Now, now uh, last week, we learned a, a few things, and um, one of those were some basic definitions, okay? Basic definitions. We learned that we cannot discuss Kabbalah apart from Judaism because it is actually inseparable. It is said that Kabbalah is the soul of Judaism. So anyone that thinks that Judaism is just a study of the Old Testament and the Torah, you are wrong. It's not. Um now, uh, we learned that Judaism derives a lot of its content from something called the Babylonian Talmud, which is the commentary on the Mishnah, which is the first major written collection of Jewish oral traditions known as the Oral Torah. <laughs> now, remember what Paul said, right? Uh, Paul says, turning from Jewish fables, right, and commandments of men who turned from the truth. Anyway. They base a lot of their right, teaching on, on, on the Mishnah. And, and what do they conclude at the end of all of this? We don't have a Jesus. Yeshua is not Messiah. <laughs> We're still looking for him. Now, 
in addition to the Babylonian Talmud, they derive a lot of their teaching and revelation and doctrine from Kabbalah, which means to receive. That's what the word Kabbalah means, to receive. It's a collection of Jewish texts, uh, esoteric books, and the primary ones are, and you'll see these if you are in our Zoom meeting, they put them in a the chat for you, the Zohar, the Sefer Zero, which is the Book of Formation, the Book of Mysteries, the Gate of Reincarnations, yes, because Judaism does believe in reincarnation, and three Enoch, okay? All right, so this is, uh, when, and, 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 and the... Um, Clarification is that three Enoch is not to be confused with one Enoch, which is a text in the pseudepigrapha that confirms many of the statements about the preferred world in Genesis, adding a whole lot of detail. There's a difference between three Enoch and one Enoch. Now, uh, we also learned that there is something known as parties or paradise in Jewish teaching which has to do with how we interpret the Torah. And it, it breaks down into four levels of interpretation. Peshat is the first, which means the surface reading of the text. The most basic, remez, is what is implied beneath the surface of the text. Drash is the midrash and the writings of the sages. And sad means the secret. This is Kabbalah. Uh, last week, we learned that Kabbalah had produced a whole host of hooligans. Some of these guys include Eliphas Levi, who led the occult revival of the 1800s, reviving Satanism and Luciferianism. McGregor Mathers, one of three founders of the Order of the Golden Dawn, a mentor of Aleister Crowley, H.P. Blavatsky, a uh, co-founder of the, Theos uh, the Theosophical Society. Um, she channeled uh, some really big, nasty demons. Um, and was involved in all kinds of stuff from Renaissance magic and Neoplatonism to Freemasonry and Kabbalah. And, and so uh, A.E. Waite, who wrote occult texts including on subjects including divination, esotericism, Rosicrucianism, Freemason, all of these students of Kabbalah, Manly P. Hall, famous Freemason, author of The Secret Magic of the Kabbalah, book, and Albert Pike, who wrote Morals and Dogma, which was also an exploration of Kabbalah, and who wrote the letter by which that was date, uh, dated August 15th in 1871 to a guy named Mazzini, articulating the need for three world wars. So, so this student of Kabbalah, based on Jewish mysticism in Freemasonry, is authoring a letter declaring this is the three world wars that we will create and what they will be for. You can look up this letter of Albert Pike to Mazzini by just doing a simple Google search, right? And <laughs> World War I and World War II of the were pulled off without a hitch. What we understand is that the creation of the Zionist state of Israel over there is tied to this whole Kabbalah infiltration of every area. Christianity, Freemasonry, and Illuminati, all of it working together to birth something that is absolutely diabolical, right? <laughs> I call the Kabbalah tree the government of Lucifer. Anyway, just data points for you to research on your own, right? Um, we're going to slow walk, right? I, I'm, I'm just trying to catch you up, give you a few points of what we talked about last week. 
because you know I, I'm walking you into um, Kabbalah. You you need to understand that this belief system does not produce healthy spirituality at all. It doesn't. It it produces really dark figures. And and here's the thing that I pointed out last week. A lot of students of our Hebrew roots in the Torah and the Old Testament have turned to rabbis to get additional insight in what Torah means because in our Christian churches, we don't spend too much time teaching Torah because, well, if you believe like I do, Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law. So people are like, well, we don't have that much to talk about, you know, why we wear a zitzit and, you know, dietary laws and, and, and different things. So, so people are going to rabbis to learn. But we don't realize that many of rabbis that people are turning to to learn their Hebrew roots are initiated into Kabbalah, which is this belief system that has produced Eliphaz Levi and H.P. Uh, <laughs> Blavatsky, who Alice Bailey, uh, you know, came to the Theosophical Society. I mean, all of these, big, like, it's all the same thing, right? You, you, we have to call this thing. And, and, and look, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. I have something for you, okay? You are thinking, well, Daniel, but... Right, because I, I'm just—I mean, I'm stepping on toes right now. I'm upsetting some of you. You're mad at me. Look at this picture. When you listen to me tell truth, and you say, "Well, but," I want you to think about this picture real hard. You, you, yeah, and I know, right? You say this is absolutely immature, Dandeval. This is immature. But sometimes it takes extreme measures to get through to people. Well, but. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm trying, I'm trying to make my points. So, we're going deep. We are going deep. Last week, I told you that Exposing Kabbalah and exposing political Zionism is not anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism means I hate Jews. I do not hate Jews and I'm not anti-Semitic. As a matter of fact, I am pro-Semitic enough to tell Jews the truth about Yeshua. <laughs> How much more can I love you than to tell you about, right, the truth? Now, having said all of that, Last week, the last the thing I told you was that the Kabbalah tree consists of 10 sephirot. And we really didn't get much time to get into sephirot. And so this week, that's where we're going to be picking up. And I'm going to explain it to you. I'm actually going to talk to you about sephirot, what they mean, and why we need to understand it. Because there are a lot of things that I can't explain to you about the Kabbalistic tree of life and what it means and how it's applied until you understand this part, right? So I'm going to do a brief screen share here and we're going to look at it. So this right here is your Wikipedia search on Kabbalah. And this picture is a picture of the Kabbalah tree. It's the Lurianic Kabbalistic tree of life. You will see 10 points. Each point is called a sephirot. Um, 
as Wikipedia explains it, the Tree of Life is a diagram used in various mystical traditions. It consists of 10 nodes symbolizing different archetypes and 22 lines connecting the nodes. The nodes are often arranged into three columns to represent that they belong to a common category. The nodes are usually represented as spheres. The lines are represented as paths. The nodes represent encompassing aspects of existence, God, or the human psyche. These nodes are called sephirotes. Okay. Now, I have another picture here. This is a look at how this tree is overlaid upon the human form. Particularly for those that have been through rituals, um, people that have been exposed to Freemasonic rituals, uh, satanic rituals, and other cults, Rosicrucianism. Uh, there's often a structuring of the body associated with these various points that they do like a specific ritual at the head to um, engage the, the, the keter or the crown. Uh, chokma will have specific rituals. Uh, some of these rituals with chokma, for example, can include putting a bee in the child's ear. Um, typhret, which happens to be the heart. And, you know, th if they do a ritual for the typhret, they may stop the person's heart. They may actually bring the person to a state of death and then revive the person with, um, you know, paddles or whatever those things are called, a defibrillator, thank you, a defibrillator to, to start the heart beating again. And, and, you know, in the rituals, they'll be doing these exercises. And in, in that way, they're doing programming to the different points in order to structure this tree into the individual. And so um, many people have, have been through this, but each of these points means something in the cosmology of Kabbalah. Each of these points means something. And that's what we are going to be getting into today. Because I said the cosmology of Kabbalah is irreconcilable with that of the Bible and the revelation of Yeshua, Jesus Christ. And I told you, I will prove it to you. So I'm going to be breaking it down. And we're going to go through point by point some of these sephirotes and what they mean. Because what I'm telling you is that they tell a creation story which reveals the cosmic nature of the tree. And this is what I tell people because we figured this out. The Kabbalah tree is both a cosmic structure and a programming template. It exists both for the individual in their body as it's been programmed and initiated, and it exists in the cosmos across the dimension. So it's both macro and micro, outside and inside, and people are interfaced to this macro tree. What, what is it? So um, this begins our journey. Now, um, it, it, in order for me to go through this next portion of this message, I will tell you that I am primarily referencing teaching materials available for free at koshertorah.com and hebrewforchristians.com. <laughs> okay, that's where I'm, I'm getting some of the stuff, right? And, and you can go there, right? Their, their materials are free and um, so forth. So 
Kabbalah teaches that God has always existed. Okay. In his ultimate essence, Kabbalah teaches that God is all things, all space, all time, all consciousness, and all things that are opposite these elements. All right. Doing okay with that? Kabbalah teaches that in God's ultimate essence, he is unknowable. The ultimate essence of God is called the Ayin Sof or Ayin Sof Ayur. Um, Ayin means nothing. Sof means limitless. And Ayur means light. So when we say Ayin Sof, it essentially means limitlessness from nothing. And if we say Ayin Sof Ayur, it means uh, limitless light from nothing. This in Kabbalah is the ultimate essence of God. Now, right at the outset, I have a problem, okay? Because Jesus has a slightly different cosmology than Kabbalah. What is the co cosmology of Jesus? Jesus said, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father. And it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? And yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say to us, show us the Father? Now, let me ask you all a question. Is my voice being distorted for some of you? Yes or no? Yes. Tiny bit, some of us. All right, I changed my microphone. Is my voice a little better here? Can I get a witness? Yes. Okay. It's better. It's so good. All right. Thank you for telling me. Wait, it's echoing? Slight echo. Right. All right. Are we still echoing? No. All right. I think we have solved all of the audio problems. We're going to continue. So, as I was saying, verse, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. 
So how can you say, show us the Father? Not only do we get to see the Father in Jesus, we get to have encounter with the Father through Jesus. Okay? The cosmology of Kabbalah is irreconcilable with the biblical revelation of who Jesus is and what he came to do. This is why when students of the Bible begin to go the route, particularly of Hebrew roots, into Torah and begin to distance themselves more and more from Jesus, and more and more dedicate themselves to the study of Jewish materials, <laughs> there's less and less of Jesus apparent in their lives and revelation. Because Kabbalah is actually designed to excise Jesus from the entire equation of the redemptive agenda of God. There's a reason why Judaism does not accept Yeshua as their Messiah. It's part of the belief system. Now, moving on, we need to understand that Ayin Sof is the limitless nothing. It is in, in Kabbalah, the ultimate essence of God, which is unknowable in their thinking. Now, it gets worse, okay? It gets worse. So this is what they do. They believe that the essence of God is everywhere. So the next step that they take is to ask, where could a universe exist if God is everywhere? This is where we get into the creation revelation of Kabbalah, okay? Their cosmology. I'm going to explain it to you. Where could a universe exist if the essence of God is everywhere? So what they say is that God symbolically creates a void inside of himself. And that in this void, he creates the universe. So he's everywhere. Then there's this little bubble that pops up and it's a void. And into that void, he injects a universe. They call the void halal. Okay, so you can write that down. The void is called halal. And the void is created by God retracting his light from that place where he makes halal through a process called tzimtzum, which means contraction. They say that this contraction of Simsum happens at the point in God, limitless light from nothing, where desire exists to make a creation. And they call this his center. So there's a vacating of God through the Simsum contraction. And then God begins to make the universe inside of that void. And he begins by shining his light black into the void in a lessened form to begin the manifestation of boundary, form, and definition. Okay. I'm telling you, I've been studying this. 
right? Because I'm, I'm trying to get it straight. Now, for those of you that want to know how these words are spelled, halal is spelled how you would expect. A-L-A-L. <laughs> so what does that have to do with food? Hmm. Um, and simtsum. T-Z-I-M, T-Z-U-M. All right, so. In Kabbalah, it is believed that God in his ultimate essence is completely unknowable, but men can experience God and come to know him as he chooses to manifest himself within the creation. So God's manifestation in creation will occur according to levels. So the level of your initiation, right? Because you have to be initiated in, in an ascending fashion through the tree in order to encounter different aspects of the revelation of who God is. So you, you can't know him all at once. You certainly can't know him through Yeshua, right? No, you're, you're going to have to know him by being initiated deeper and deeper. All right, so this all aligns with their interpretation of Genesis 1, 1 through 3, right? They're saying this is how the mechanics of Genesis 1, 1 through 3 play out, which says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. So in, in Kabbalah, right, you have the, their version of the creation story. God injecting his light into this void that he creates. Which, you know, for, for the surface level student, you're like, what's the difference? What, actually, that, that well, but that sounds kind of like, yeah, that could make sense. That could make a lot of sense. Maybe God was everywhere. Maybe God isn't. Maybe he did form a void in himself and, and begin this. Didn't he say, let there be light? There was a void in the beginning, right? So, okay. Moving on. We're still talking about what Kabbalah teaches. And then I'm going to talk about what the Bible teaches afterwards. And we can compare and contrast. So, so in Kabbalah, they say that as God shines his light into the void, it passes through a series of sephirah that function like transformers. Um, so, so think about it like this, right? If you, if you run an electrical current, a transformer steps down the electrical current so as not to blow out devices that are pulling on electrical power. Some of us have made the mistake of traveling overseas and plugging a hairdryer into an outlet that's not, you know, correctly, you know, it, <laughs> formatted for the voltage of that hair dryer and you know it blows up or something like you know these kinds of things happen so we use transformers to step down electrical power in various ways and the sephira are kind of like that that first injection of light is the crown or keter and then the rest of these sephira are like transformers stepping down the light from the Keter all the way to Malkut, which is the bottom sephira, sephirot, which means kingdom. 
Now, I'm gonna have you take a look at something here with me. So it looks kind of like, right? And this is uh, from Zohar by Rabbi Michael Leitman. So you, you can just download this yourself. Um, these are the Keter, Hokma, Bina. Z-A means Zion and pure. It actually includes the six points that we call Metatron's cube. Da'at, the points on the side, um, basically, hold on. Zion and poor Z-A, that would include basically uh, all of these. That's it. So you're looking at one, two, three, four, and then Malkut. But there are like transformers. They are like um, filters. And so in Kabbalah, the Sephira function like this, right? And so these Sephira, which act like spiritual light transformers, become the spiritual DNA pattern, which functions as a template for the creation. This, this is what they teach. So from now on, when you hear me say that the Kabbalah tree is a counterfeit creative template, you know where I got that from. They're teaching. They believe this. Okay? Now, there are some Christian mystics that are teaching that Kabbalah is God's creative template. This is why we're having to have a conversation. Because it's not. But it's close. So close, in fact, it's deceptive. So, anyway. Uh, they teach that these spiritual light transformers called Sephiroth become the spiritual DNA pattern which functions as a template for creation. It's both the template for creation and it's the template for the design of man. Right? It's the template for the design of man, which is why you can do programming in order to anchor a man on all of these points. Just the way it works. Okay. Moving on. The 10 Sephirot are considered the attributes of God, the archetypes of creation, or the primary values of the world. Now, the most commonly referenced articulation of the Sephirot is found in the Lurianic Tree of Life which is the tree that I have been showing you in my illustrations, okay? Now we're gonna take a look at the Sephiroth one at a time and explain what they mean. So beginning at Keter, right? Which is the crown. I'm gonna leave this up as I'm talking so that you can um, see better and have a little bit more perspective. Keter, or crown, 
is the first aspect of the light that manifests into this void that gets created in the midst of Ayan Sof at a point called desire or the center. Keter is considered the primordial essence of all things to come. In other words, the entire tree descends from Keter. The will in the idea that from nothingness, the first aspect of God that enters is his will to create and reveal himself in creation. So the, the first injection of light in their belief system that comes into this void is will. I will to create. I have a problem with this. Um, and I can't say that this comes from anywhere else but the mind of Daniel Duvall, but I happen to believe that love was the primary reason why God engaged in the creation. I really do. I believe that God loved. And so he created out of the abundance of his love. Now, I will tell you, there is someone who willed a whole lot of things. And his name is Lucifer. And in the Old Testament, you can find something called the five I wills that are the reason for his downfall and his casting out of heaven. <laughs> See, I believe that the Kabbalistic tree is a revelation of the government of Lucifer. I'm going to show you something real quick, and you can just think about this. Um, Jesus said what? I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. I want you to see what happens when you actually trace the story of the Kabbalistic creation account. <laughs> These are the actual order of the points. Looks just like a lightning bolt. <laughs> Food for thought. All right. So anyway, um, so you start with Keter and they say that is the first aspect of God to enter the void. It is God's will to create and reveal himself in the creation. So Keter is called Ani or I, as in I am, the name that God reveals to Moses. They also say that Keter is known as Adam Kad, primordial man, not to be confused with physical man. Adam Cadman, or A.K., is not Adam in the Garden of Eden. In their belief system, Adam Cadman is the primordial pattern of the universe and contains within him all the lower worlds or sephira. So they say in Adam Cadman, which is Keter, all things exist. But Adam Cademan of his own existence and in need of revelation. All right. Now, I'm going to jump ahead here, right? So um, I borrowed this from HebrewForChristians.com. This is absolutely free and open source. So you can go to their website and read this yourself. Uh, saying basically the same thing. You know, the very first emanation, the transition from Ayan Sof to the revealed world is shrouded in mystery. This is the move from the realm of 
the absolute infinite, the realm of the finite, though it is beyond comprehension, the Kabbalah, identifies this with the will of God. That is the root of all creation is found in God's will to create. God's will alone is the ground for all reality. Metaphorically, this is depicted with the image of a crown of a king and is called Sephira of Keter. Keter then represents the transition from ayin, nothing, to yesh, something, and therefore creation ex nihilo, out of nothing, is called yesh me ayin. Keter represents the hidden or secret will of God and answers the question, why is there something rather than nothing? The answer is simply because it is the will of God. What else can be said? The name of God associated with Keter is eh ye, I am, though Keter is also sometimes called ayin, nothingness, and rats on will. Hence, the first of the Sephirot attributes is called Keter, which is usually regarded as a synonym for the infinite one, Ein Sof itself. Right? Okay. Now, I'm breaking it down. I'm breaking it down so that when I come back around and I explain what the Bible says, you can see where the schisms are. This is the problem with Kabbalah. When you begin to study it, it's so entwined with the Torah and the Old Testament and actual scripture that separating out wheat from tares when it comes to Kabbalistic-based uh, fables and myths is, is really hard. As a matter of fact, you could stumble upon Kabbalah-based teaching and think, this is all of the levels of Christian doctrine that I missed. The first time I saw some of the concepts in Kabbalah, I didn't even know what I had landed on. I was just like, this is mind-blowing. How much do I not know that I don't know? Where did they get this stuff? Who's reading the Bible and getting these revelations? How did you get that? I mean, it makes some sense and I can see where it connects, but how did you? I would have never, because I would have never. <laughs> Then I started finding Zohar and Sefer Yitzira and Three Enoch. And then I realized, oh, you got it from those books. Ah, now I get it. You're reading off a different script. You're just teaching something totally different. But because it's designed to be deceptive, it's really, really a, a stranglehold on most believers because the average person wouldn't have the time to do the kind of in-depth study in order to sort all this nonsense out, you just don't have time. You don't have brain capacity. This is tough. Anyway, moving on. Chokma. All right. So we talked about what the Sephirah of uh, Keter means. Now we're going to talk about Chokma. Now here's Chokma right here. This is point number two. At Chokma, it's, it, it, it's basically where the I am becomes con cognizant and self-aware. It's the first male sephirot they teach. And it is found on the right side of the tree. Now, isn't it funny? You know, there are two sides of the tree. There is the severity side, which is over here. It's the left side of the tree. This is the pillar of severity. It's also female. <laughs> then there's... The mercy side of the tree, <laughs> which is male. <laughs> hmm, that sounds real fair, right? But anyway, uh, Chokma is the first male sephirot. It's on the right side of the tree. It is associated with mercy. And, 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 and Chokma itself actually means um, wisdom. 
Wisdom. Wisdom. It is actually the Hebrew word for wisdom. So when we get to this point where we're looking at Keter, moving into Chokmah, we actually find how the Zohar, and through Zohar the Kabbalah, rewrites Genesis 1-1 to mean something totally different and provide a foundation of cosmology whereby we are going to effectively cut Yeshua Jesus out of the entire equation of how man and God are reconciled. How did they do that? So we're going to take a look at another slide. Chokmah. The Sephira attribute of Chokmah, wisdom, represents the beginning of God's self-conscious mind with creation. Chokmah is the first Sephira on the right. The Zohar interprets Job 28.12 from whence, me'ayim, shall wisdom be found. To literally mean from ayin is wisdom derived. In other words, Chokmah flows from Keter as God's first revealed attribute beyond his brute will to create. So we go from the crown or keter to wisdom. Chokmah is also regarded as the father of Yesh, the seed for all other sephirot. The Zohar also links the phrase Reshit Chokmah, found in Psalm 111, verse 10, with Genesis 1-1, in the beginning Elohim, to derive the idea that with Chokmah, keter created Elohim. In other words, Elohim, is considered a direct object of the verb bara with the implied subject of keter or ein sof. Ein sof is not explicitly mentioned in the text of Genesis 1.1 because the infinite is beyond predication. Now, now, this is going to be hard to get on the first go around, so I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it in a way that hopefully you'll be able to understand. The Bible in Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In Hebrew, it says, Bereshit bara. Elohim, Aleph Tav, Shemaim, Vav Aleph Tav, Eretz. Bereshit means in the beginning. Bara means created. Elohim, God. Aleph Tav. Untranslated. Shemaim, heavens, plural. Vav Elif Tav, untranslated. Eretz, earth. So instead of saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Zohar says, wait a minute, wait a minute. We have a different cosmology here. We have initiated version of cosmology. Bereshit, in the beginning, created God. Or, more plainly stated, with Chokmah, Keter, Adam Cademan, created Elohim. So, our creator God was the created their cosmology. This is a prime example of reading something into the text that is not there. It's not there. You would never, ever come to that conclusion on Genesis 1-1 without outside help. 
It's a twist. It's a slight twist, but it is a mega, mega colossal twist. Now, we're going to stop there. I'm not going to give you any more sephirah because now we're going to come to the Bible and what the Bible says about cosmology. And then I'm going to explain to you they are irreconcilable from the foundation. Why? So, Bereshit bara Elohim Elef Tav Shemaim Elef Tav Eretz. The Bible spells Bereshit. Beit Resh Elef Shin Yad Tav. Beit means tent or house, the body. Resh means a head, a person, or what is highest. Aleph means ox, bull, gentle, tame, the leader, what is first, Adonai. Sheen means teeth, ivory, point of a rock, something sharp or destroyer. Yad means a hand or finished work. And Tav means a mark sign or the cross. So if you break down the meaning of in the beginning by its composite lettering, because the Hebrew is a massive algorithm, which Kabbalah does not honor, but hacks and twists and redefines. But if we just go with straightforward, basic surface level reading of the text, <laughs> what we get is a, a, an actual meaning of Bereshit which roughly says the body of the highest, the ox, referring to Jesus, was pierced with something sharp by the destroyer through the hand by which he died and established the finished work on the cross. In other words, Revelation 13, 8 says that Jesus is a lamb slain from the foundation of... So Jesus Christ is Bereshit. But they're twisting it and saying that Elohim is being created by Keter and Chokmah, Adam Cademan is responsible for this whole thing. Where's Jesus? He's sniffed right out of the whole thing. Bible's putting him in. Kabbalah's taking him out. Bible's putting him in. Kabbalah's taking him out. That's what we need to understand. Now, the mystery of the Aleph Tav. The Bible says in Revelation 22, verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Aleph Tav is the unpronounced Hebrew word that is the equivalent of the Alpha and the Omega. In other words, it is a name of Jesus. So when you see the word Aleph Tav or Et being used in Genesis 1-1, it's saying that in the beginning, God, through Jesus, Aleph Tav, creates the heavens, Shemaim, and through Jesus, the earth. Which is why the Bible says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So when we look at Genesis 1-1, we see Jesus all over it. We see Jesus in the beginning, and we see Jesus being the word, the instrument through which God creates the heavens and the earth. Where does that go to Kabbalah? It goes to zero. They cut it all out. It's, it's absolutely a Jewish fable going on. I'm going to land this thing. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
Bereshit bara Elohim Elef Tav Shemaim Vav Elef Tav Eretz. There is a Vav in front of the Elef Tav on that second use between heaven and earth in Genesis 1. Why is there a Vav Elef Tav? Because Vav means nail. And what this is saying is that through Jesus, God nailed the heavens to the earth. Now, why was that important in Genesis 1-1? Answer, because God nailed the heavens of the earth, and then he created man from the dust of the earth, so he nailed the earth to man, and earth's destiny is tied to man, and the destiny of the heavens is tied to earth. Therefore, when God came as a man, that is Jesus Christ, he was able to reconcile man to God, and through man redeem earth back to God to liberate the entire creation. Therefore, the whole creation groans in earnest expectation, awaiting the manifestation of the sons of God. Now, that's my cosmology. What do they teach me in Kabbalah? They're going to teach me that Elohim was created by Keter and Chokra. With an unknowable, limitless light going behind this that cannot be known by God, even though Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It is irreconcilable. And this is the foundation of the cosmology that is being taught in Hebrew roots, in Christian mysticism, not everyone, but large portions, right? And <laughs> other areas that would absolutely shock you. This is the cosmology in Freemasonry. It's the cosmology in Rosicrucianism. It's the cosmology that's behind political Zionism. It is the cosmology that is in the Illuminati. No Jesus. The Bible says, Colossians 1, 15 through 20, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. This is biblical cosmology. Guess what it's centered on? Jesus. Guess what it's not centered on? Ein Sof and Ten Sephiroth. It's not there. You cannot find it. And therefore, if you're going to say that I'm going to get a better relationship with Jesus Christ by climbing up this God-forsaken tree, quite literally God-forsaken, God has nothing to do with that tree. You, my friend, need to be rebuked. And this is why I'm taking such a hard stand on this thing, because I have realized that I am right now being associated with people that are teaching folks to ascend to Metatron's cube, to look at the tree and meditate on its folding and its structures. This, this teaching is activating survivors into their programming. And much of Kabbalah programming is tied to end times programming. And I won't stand for it. I won't stand for it. I am here to represent Christ and him crucified. And this poison 
has infected so much of Christianity. I didn't realize that the entire agenda of pro-Zionism in the Christian body of Christ, I mean, actually comes from Kabbalistic and Jewish influence, stemming largely from the Schofield Bible. Which, if you didn't know, <laughs> was financed by a major Kabbalist, in part. Uh, there is so much to say. But this is the problem. When we divorce our cosmology from the New Testament and the revelation of Jesus Christ and lean on Jewish fables and Kabbalah-initiated rabbis to teach us what our Old Testament should mean to us, we find out exactly why people that become students of Torah under rabbis, you talk, one, they're all about Jesus, year two, they don't even talk about Jesus, it's Yahweh. Because the belief system is anti-Christ. It is actually anti-revelation of Jesus Christ. And that belief system can never produce a deeper connection to Jesus. I don't care how many times you climb into Metatron's cube. You're not going to get more Jesus. It's just, it's not possible. Daniel, what is Metatron's cube? You keep using that word. What does that mean? Let me show you. <laughs> All right. Uh, here we go. I'll show you exactly what Metatron's cube is. You are climbing into the star of Remfam. Remfam. In the middle of this Luciferian government. Counterfeit creative template. Do not tell me that I need to learn how to ascend into this thing. You're going to get a swift rebuke. Now, in Kabbalah, Metatron is not just a cube. Metatron is called the angel of the presence. Metatron is called the angel of the presence and is perceived to be the spiritual host behind genetic Israel. Working behind the scenes with them throughout the Old Testament and even into the present age. Metatron. And so um, he is very, very important to their cosmology. And there are some that are even trying to make the case that Metatron is Jesus in order to lead Christians that didn't hear me say about <laughs> anything about it, right, into this deception. Say, so, oh, no, our Jewish Metatron is the same as your Jesus. We're, we're talking about the same issue, is it? No, you're not. No, you're not.
I'm here to tell you um, that God, God has a creative template. And what you need to know is that Jesus is the creator of all things. He pre-exists all things. Nothing is capable of existing apart from Jesus because the code of creation is found in him. The code of creation is found in him. Where is the creative template to be found if not in the Kabbalah tree? Answer, Jesus. You want to know what creation looks like? You want to know what underlies the whole thing? Look at the word. I don't need a series of circles. I have a person. So why does the Kabbalah create this creation myth? Why is it necessary to rewrite the nature of the creation myth? Answer, to elevate the true God of Kabbalah, which is Lucifer, the great architect, the false angel of light, and the father of lies, to the creator of God and the Jews. Right? It's his own little dream world. So the Bible says, and I'm going to leave you with this, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. My gosh. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you for truth. Lord God, I thank you that your sheep know your voice and a stranger's voice they will not follow. Lord God, your sheep will go in and out of your door and find pasture. I thank you that you train us to engage the spirit world legitimately. Lord God, I thank you that you are breaking off demonic strongholds. Um, Lord God, deceptions, blindness, Lord God, and cooperation with global and cosmic conspiracy against the Most High God, Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds that we might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so we call all of these matters settled. Thank you for your sweet presence in our midst. Amen. All right. Now, uh, I have a few announcements. <laughs> Were you able to digest all of that? <laughs> How many people feel like they didn't go, go down the first time? Um, it's a lot of material. I know there's so much. And you know what? We're just getting started because I'm going to continue taking you through the rest of their creation fable and explain to you the rest of their nonsense later on. Um, <clears throat> but before we get all I want you to know that we have a Bride Tribe advance coming up in the fall, October 24th to the 27th, completely sold out. No seats, no space, no room at all. Um, we're so looking forward to all of you that are going to be there. We are going to be launching this week our um, uh, community groups 
at the Bride Ministries platform. And um, many of you signed up for one of three classes, which was either prayer with Tony, um, the mystery of prayer, uh, the kingdom with Kendra, or um, the realm of Jesus Christ. And so that starts this week. So if you sign up for one of these classes, you probably already heard from Grace. And Kendra, Tony, or Paul and Shannon will be sending you emails as well this week. And your class begins this week. So if you have a Monday night class, get ready, get ready, get ready, because it's Monday. <laughs> um, or Tuesday or Thursday or whatever it is. So you can always sign up for Todd Edwards' free TFPC Bible study. They meet every other week. They just had a meeting this past Saturday. It was excellent. And uh, that will allow you to meet other folks that are connected with our platform, make friends, get teaching. These are actually paid courses, but you get them for free if you signed up in time. They are completely sold out at this point. So we're just looking forward to those of you that are registered. Um, we do have an entire institute, guys. I mean, there's so much that we cover. There's so much ground, so much language, so much revelation here at Bride Ministries. And you cannot ever just get it all in one sitting. But if you are wanting to be a student, you can always hit up our institute and get more. And of course, you know, kingdom economy is accessed through generosity, giving. Um, there's no way around this one. If you want God to move on your finances, you have to play by the rules. And being stingy and asking God for a great breakthrough typically will not yield results. Uh, and so, furthermore, the Bible says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And here at Bride Ministries, we are building kingdom. We are changing lives. We are breaking the power of darkness uh, back and teeth and you know if you want to support that uh, you can give to us right here we also have a p.o box you can send stuff to and um we are very grateful for those of you that do choose to support us because as long as that you could support while supporting kingdom work thank you for those of you that choose to support us so um having said all of that we're going to do some q a some chatting some oh my gosh <laughs> maybe some whale butts uh, and so if you have a question, a comment, you can raise your hand. Uh, I see Savannah Moore. So I am bringing you in and um, let's talk. Hello. Hey. Um, so I had a question. I was, wasn't sure if this was a Kabbalah teaching or not, but I met a guy a couple weeks ago who was really out there and he had said something along the lines of god pairs people up in heaven like you're paired off in heaven be like before you meet your spouse is that a kabbalah thing or is that a biblical thing i have not found a scripture in the bible to endorse that view i haven't seen one either so i was just thinking it sounded it could be Kabbalah. <laughs> so there is a teaching known as twin flames. 
uh, this is this mostly occurs in the occult world, where, and they actually in the occult world do rituals between people that they uh, um, discern to be what they call twin flames. Um, this happens. This this has a lot to do with sex ritual magic used to open specific types of portals, and so they use twin flames to do that sometimes. And I I, I don't see a redemptive side of it that's articulated by the Bible. Um, and, and I, in my experience, when it comes to relationships, I, I actually teach three stamps, uh, meaning that God has a stamp, you have a stamp, and your prospective partner has a stamp. And unless all three stamps go down, that thing may not work out. And if someone deletes their stamp, you may get a divorce. And uh, that happens to a lot of people and there's redemption on the back of that. So I don't, okay. I, I don't teach what that idea is. No. Yeah, that's why like when you started teaching on the Kabbalah thing, I'm like, hmm, this guy's idea sounds to be more Kabbalah because I can't find anything like that in the Bible either. But thank you for explaining Twin Flame because there's this weirdo who's saying he's a Christian on YouTube who's got a site who's like, do you don't want to find your Twin Flame? It's, I'm like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> so, good to know. <laughs> oh man, um, great question. Okay, um, Miche. Hi, Dan. Hey, good uh, Hi. Last week, um, Todd had mentioned um, something about a cube. And uh, something that you were teaching on about a cube last week, and he um, put in the chat where it was located. I I can't quite remember what the cube was about, um, but it was something to do, something dealing with the Kabbalah. Do you okay. remember? He put it in the chat, and I well, I, the the cube that I have mentioned several times is Metatron's cube, which is a star or a Merkaba found in the midst of the tree. Um, I don't know if you are watching this with your, um, are you on a phone or are you actually able to see your screen? I can see my screen, but no, it was, it was a, a verse that he said um, was in the Bible about a cube. Maybe it was Metatron's cube. Okay, not sure. Dan? Yes, yes, beautiful. So, That's my wife, by the way, folks. Yeah, this is, uh, hi, I'm Daniel's wife, yeah. Yeah, I think it was uh, Acts chapter uh, 7, 48, and I, I, I believe it was that, but I think this is really complicated stuff, and you, you have to kind of listen to it more than once because I've been hearing Dan talk about this for over a year and things just start to click. But I think people are confusing the Metatron's cube with the star Rimfram. So Dan, can you pull up the picture? What happened is those six points in this, in Kabbalah, Metatron is some kind of angel. We don't agree with that, right? But those six points make up Metatron's cube in the center, right? Because you take these six points and you can see it's like a slanted uh, square. Well, that's the cube, right? 
But the, the whole thing, if you actually just outline it, makes up a star, a six-pointed star. But that six-pointed star is, this, is the star of Rimfram. And what um, Todd mentioned was two scriptures on the star of Rimfram. In Acts chapter 7, I believe it was 48, talks about how the Jewish people had taken for their flag the star of Rimfram. And he was saying that to refute someone's comment around what if, what if the, the uh, star of David, what if Rimfram just stole the star of David? Well, there's no biblical reference for that. It's actually the opposite, which is the, the Jewish people actually took on the star of Rimfram. But that Metatron's cube that people that are in Kabbalah actually has the shape when you shape it out, it's the same thing. So hopefully that makes sense. Metatron's an entity. The cube is the thing in the middle, but when you shape it out, it's a star from the So hopefully you see this picture, Miche. And, and basically I, I just put it, Metatron's cube equals, and then I show where the star is, <laughs> and then equals star from So we're all on the same page. Um, thank you, Christian. That was great. Thank you. Now, um, the confusion may come in with this star, Metatron's cube that Metatron's cube on the Kabbalah tree is, is a two-dimensional flat layout. The multi-dimensional aspects of that cube unfold as you pull that shape into higher dimensional spaces. And in that, it becomes a sacred geometry and what they call a Merkaba or a wheel within a wheel. And we will actually cover some of that later on because that's a very important part of what Kabbalah teaches that you need to know about. So uh, we will get there eventually. Um, Don Edwards, good evening. Um, Don, you can unmute yourself if you would I'm like unmuted. to. I'm unmuted. Ah, there you are. All right. First, it was an awesome teacher. And I admit that not spending a lot of time learning about Kabbalah. But at the same time, a lot of Christian churches are teaching the support of Israel and how we should back and support whatever is going on in Israel as, as, as chosen people. Given what you are teaching about Kabbalah, how do we review or look at Israel? Is this a change in what we have to do in order to really uh, come to grips with the evilness that's going on. Okay, so um, I am going to answer that question, Don, and I'm going to do so in a way that's going to absolutely frustrate a lot of people here because I'm gonna just answer it head on and I'm not going to unpack the answer. I believe as of now that there are a number of scriptures from which people derive their understanding of the establishment of the nation state of Israel as part of God's plan. It's Jeremiah 23, Jeremiah 30, Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah 33, Ezekiel 37, Isaiah 66. Um, if you read those passages and you actually go point for point, what the nation state of Israel and political Zionism is and what the Bible says about the reestablishment of Israel, Point for point, it doesn't make any sense at all. It just falls apart. 
Um, if you look at is Leviticus 26, God's Israel, um, still doesn't make sense. It's, it, it doesn't add up. So I think that Zephaniah chapter 2 may be the key that explains it all. And in Zephaniah chapter 2, there's this interesting passage, and it says, uh, and I'll just read it real quick. It says, gather yourselves together. Yes, gather together, O undesirable nation, before the decree is issued, or the day passes like chaff, before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you. And it seems like, if this is the correct interpretation of Zephaniah 2.1, that there is a man-ordained gathering in Israel. Now, I don't hang my head on this, but this is the best I can do right now. And so with this man-ordained gathering, God says, you know, <laughs> you're actually doing this, and then this day of wrath is coming against you. And then in uh, Zechariah 13, it says in verse 8, um, And it shall come to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one-third shall be left in it. I will bring the one-third through the fire, will refine them as silver is refined, the test of them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people, and each one will say, the Lord is my God, which means that whatever the Rothschilds are putting together will, if this is correct, be smited by the wrath of God because God's not happy with it. He didn't do it. His signature isn't on it. It's all about the Rothschild agenda. But yet there's going to be a third that come through it, meaning that there's a redemptive agenda for men and, and people that God actually does really truly love underneath the conspiracy. So... That is the best that I can do at present with this. But I, I believe that the, um, you know, unbridled support of Zionist Israel is unbridled support of Rothschild agenda. That's, that's where I am. Very good. Appreciate it. Great questions. Man. Um, okay, Sanja Das, I am bringing you in. Good evening, Sanja. Okay, Sanja, you'd have to unmute if we can hear you. Otherwise, I'm going to just move on to the next. All right. Um, Stephen Alexander, good evening. You'll have to unmute yourself and then you can speak. Hey, Dan, good teaching. Uh, question with regard to Karite Jews and what your thoughts are on that particular sect, given that they don't follow the, uh, the Talmud. Honestly, I, I don't have, I don't, I don't know. I don't know anything. I would need to research that. <laughs> I have no opinions and no knowledge. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry to disappoint. That's okay. So it's it just just to clarify a little bit. It's a sect within Judaism 
that does this not messianic. They don't believe it, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, but they also seem to at least ignore most of what the cons itself upon. So not sure what to make of them. Yeah, I, I have not looked into that. It's a great question. I just don't have an answer for you. Thanks, though. Thank you. Um, okay. Really good. Really good. Um, coming back into the chat, are there other questions? Christian, are you chiming in here? Yeah, I just... Um... I don't know if this is, uh, it seems like Charlotte still wants a little explanation on the cube, on Metatron's cube. I don't exactly know um, what she's looking for. So Charlotte, what are you looking for in the cube? Here, I'm gonna bring you in, Charlotte. I'm just gonna bring you in so you can explain and, what's going through your head. And then also someone asked a question about ascensions and I think that's probably a good question to answer. Okay, I'll try to find that question. Okay. Hey, hey Charlotte. Hey. So the other night, a Saturday morning, I had a dream, and in the I had an experience. It's like I was being taught. I'd been praying about um, sanctification, the Lord, you know, doing a work, continuing to do a work. Of course, that's a continuing work, um, sanctified by the blood. So uh, I, I was being taught by the Lord during the night and he showed me two lines and, he, and it drew, he drew like two lines and he said this one line it this is you need to look at and I, I don't know anything about the cube or Metatron I mean I don't even do any I don't even know anything about it I'm not seeking to know I don't even know anything in other words this is when you started talking about that it made me think of a dream so there was two lines he said one line he drew, okay, this is, this is your natural, this is, this is. Hey, Charlotte. And then the other lost. line he drew, he said, now this, okay, so this is, so the two lines I saw, it was like a whiteboard, they took a marker, and, he, and, and, and I saw this, one line was drawn, and another line was drawn, it was right beside of each other, and he said, Charlotte, if you work out of, if you work out of this one line, here from birth to, to death, this represents your natural self. Okay. This represents your, your, your natural flesh. You're not to work out of that line. Okay. And so he drew another line. He said, okay, this represents the yacht. Mm -hmm. and, and he explained to me, he said, remember when I taught you, uh, when I, when you had that experience of the Bob and the Bob came and, and revealed himself to you as, as the shin. I said, yes. And he said, now you'll know and understand all of the Hebrew letters from the one Hebrew letter, the Vav. You, 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 you're taught through the one letter, the Vav, all the other letters. You don't need to worry about any other letters. You don't need to worry about it, Charlotte. Just understand the Vav. And out of the Vav, you'll understand the other letters. I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. That happened like three years ago. Okay, so the second line, he said, now this is... I'm showing you the yacht. This is this line is my path, and it's it's like a dot. And this this path 
you, is the eternal path of the father. And the, the, the other line, people get into that line and they move up and down. They go their, into their past. They go into their future. They go all side to side. But the second line, the eternal line, you don't, you, when you're in him, he moves you mm. where you need to go. He can move you forward. He can move you uh, in your history because when you're in him, that dot, that yacht is redeemed. Mm -hmm. So he has the legal right to, for you to get up inside of his yacht. I felt literally like I was in a queue. When you said, I was like, when I came out of the dream, I was like, wow. I was like in somewhere. I was in like all time. And I, I know that I was in him and he was, he was like the one moving me. And, and the other one is like a Ouija board where you have your hand on top of the Ouija board and you're moving at all kinds of different points and directions. And then the, the other, the second line, he said, this, this is the, okay. the yeah. eternal line. And I, when you're in it, I can move you in all time. Okay. Uh, Charlotte, I'm jumping. <laughs> um, I, I kind of get where you're going with that. I can tell you right now, you're confusing a lot of people because we don't have a visual and these lines are probably crossing in people's head. Um, but I, 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 what I can yeah. say is that- Email me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, totally get it. Um, I don't know where you were in your dream, um, yeah. I, but, but I don't here's what I'm gonna do. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna show everyone this because this is really gonna help a lot on the whole Q piece. So folks, just bear with me for one second and look at this diagram, okay? Now, this is a picture of Metatron's cube, okay? And um, I'm going to show you why it is a cube. Because if I draw this red line here, it becomes a cube even though it has six points, okay? And I think that you all can probably see that. Now, if I change this color, right, you actually do end up with this cube within a cube, which is called a tesseract. And it's on the inside there and a whole lot of other sacred geometry. So even though it looks like a six-pointed star, which that would be, you know, this part of it, it's got all of these other sacred geometries moving in it. And when you define them with da'at at the top and yesud at the bottom, which is foundation or your sexual organs, and you begin to look at this as a template derived from the Kabbalah tree, you find Metatron's cube and you find this sacred geometry into which people will ascend in order to have spiritual revelation. Okay. I hope that kind of clears it up because I know it's hard to say, wait, Metatron's cube, six pointed star, like how does that, but you have to look at the geometries. So with that said, we are out of time. Guys, 
Thank you so much for being here. I am so glad that you joined us. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at brideministriesinternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.